Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Show.com. A lot easier to remember than blogtalkradio.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. So just go over to the Ken Reedy Show.com, listen to the show, because why do we want to advertise with Blog Talk Radio anymore than we have to? Mother, never mind. So if you're listening to us pre recorded, you're listening to us on the wonderful B Plus Players Radio Network, the brainchild of the Dr. Frankenstein of the podcasting world, Mark Adam Haggerty. Check us out over there on B-plus players. It is time to get into it. It's time to get, we're not in the slow lane. We're not in the passion lane. We're in the fast lane. Let's get into it. First off, let's bring him up on board. Tag team partner all the way from Connecticut. Dave, how are you doing this evening? Oh, getting ready to get in the fast lane to get the WrestleMania. That's how I'm doing. Uh, it's been a while since we've done a pay-per-view show. Actually, I shouldn't say a while because usually they do a pay-per-view, what, like every other week now? 
in WWE, but nonetheless, I'm, you know, excited as always, ready to talk, you know, WWE Fastlane as we get set for WrestleMania. And in studio, as um, has become customary, but this is interesting because you're, um, Rock, you're going away. I am. You are. It's a Rock in studio for uh, this, this pay-per-view pre-show, but you're going away, and then we're going to Mania, so this might be your last show for a while, so it's time to make it count, man. Oh, no, absolutely. I- I'm psyched. Uh, I- I'm ready to uh, pull that turn signal to the left, and uh, let's get going. Uh, let's crank up the MPH, and I'm looking forward to uh, my student trip to Ireland, uh, and hopefully I'll remember some of it. But for right now, I think we should be uh, talking some wrestling. And, and let's get, you know, before we get into our match, we're going to speculate, predictify, do what we do here. But I'm curious what you guys think. I mean, now we know WWE is going to. Um, we're not going to have brand pay-per-views. It's going to be the whole roster on pay-per-views. Um, between uh, Rumble and Mania, we've had two pay-per-views. One brand gets one apiece. Um for me as a wrestling fan, I'm not sure if, if I like that per se, because I feel like you get two pay-per-views that kind of keep things in a holding pattern um, to Mania, where, you know, I kind of like just maybe one one stopover before you get there. And, uh, you know, looking forward to next year, like I would say that would be a, one pay-per-view with both rosters between Mania and, and uh, the Rumble. Um, like I look at this pay-per-view, I mean, there's some entertaining stuff that I think we can look forward to, but there's there's nothing on this this pay-per-view that, uh, like, jumps out at me as, like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see this. Because I don't think we're going to get a lot of out-of-the-box thinking tonight. I think we're just going to, you know, keep it kind of um, status quo moving towards Mania. So I'm curious, both of you guys, like, you know, Rock, we'll start with you. You know, your opinions on, on two pay-per-views between the Rumble and, and um, Mania – uh, is it a situation where less is more? Do you like it? Should we continue with the two pay-per-views once they go to uh, combining both rosters for all pay-per-views? Um, and how much are you looking forward to tonight's event? Well, yeah, Ken, I, I got to say, as far as uh, tonight's event is concerned, I agree with you that I look at the matches, and while, you know, taking nothing away from the talent that's on the card, uh, it's not like I'm looking at any single match and say, that is my I, – I've been waiting to see this match. I'm, I'm all about it. Uh, as far as WWE's future strategy to put the brands together uh, for each and every pay-per-view, um, I, I'm not sure if I – I'm not sure if I'm on board with that. Uh, I think they did – it was an interesting concept, especially when you look at the old brand split versus this brand split, uh, you know, to have each – brand having their own pay-per-views, you know, I feel like already we're suffering from a large amount of saturation of WWE wrestling simply from how they upped the frequency of the pay-per-view. Um, if you're going to do something like putting rosters together, I realize that, you know, I would think that the aim is to put more butts in seats, but uh, you know what? I, at least in my view, you don't do that by the oversaturation. You do that by making it a special event. Like you could do something like make the, make the big four, like make the original four, uh, a dual brand, uh, dual brand shots and keep the rest separate as they, as they should be doing. Uh, this strategy, 
we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out, but I don't know if I'm fully on board with it. I like where the brand extension has been going so far. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I kind of like the idea of the the big four pay-per-views being special, where those are where the rosters combine, and like the other. I mean, I, to me, it's like just get better. Yeah, like I, I get it that some of those pay-per-views that are single roster pay-per-views uh, left a little bit to be desired, but then get better. Get better with your writing. Don't necessarily combine uh, the rosters for every pay-per-view. Um, that being said, as we look at um, predictions. Um, and I want to get your thoughts overall, Dave. But right now, it appears to be that there's a mixed tag match. Um, Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman versus uh, Uso and Naomi. Uh, you guys want to run through quick before uh, – I mean, I'm going Strowman Bliss. That's on tonight's yeah, card? I'll jump on that. Strowman Bliss? Yeah. What do you think, Dave? Wait a minute. That's, wait a minute, that's on tonight's card? It looks like it's on right now. Or is this a replay? That's yeah. the Never mind, this is a replay. My, I'm like looked up. I'm like, is this the pre-show? They added a match. Yeah, well, Never mind. They're, they're, they're re-showing the, the mixed uh, blah blah blah. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Why I shouldn't look at the TV till what seven o'clock is when the pre-show starts. Anyway, Dave, what are your thoughts on the pay-per-view extension, uh, the brand extension, brand exclusive pay-per-views, and the two pay-per-views between uh, Mania and the Rumble? Well, a few things. Number one, I get economically why they're doing this. Um, ticket sales uh, have not been great for the single brand pay-per-views, but like you said, Ken, and you said it in, in the most, I wouldn't say eloquent way possible, but you said it in a way where, you know, like exactly what I was thinking. Like, don't just try to fix this, you know, do better writing. Have a, have a, have, you know, come up with better storylines, you know, to develop these characters. You know, you build these rosters, you know, to, to, to be as separate as possible. And you have these talents and some of these guys don't even get used on TV on a weekly basis. I feel like um, they don't give as many opportunities as they, as they should to certain guys. Um, and then people forget about that. Uh, you know, like Baron Corbin's been a, a guy, for instance, that has, you know, floundered for a while. And a Ty Dillinger, who's, who, who's, who's popular with, with the audience when he's on TV. Um, and sometimes they have some of their bigger stars that are hardly ever on, like a Nakamura. When's the last time I've seen Nakamura on TV? And he won the Royal Rumble, you know? So I feel like the, the, the misuse of, of a lot of these talents, uh, I think, has affected these single brand pay-per-views and they're not properly building up some of these guys. Um, especially now when you make all these calls up from NXT after WrestleMania or following SummerSlam, like what is, what are you going to do with those guys who you, who you feel are primed and ready for the main roster? They're going to get lost in the shuffle. There's only so many spots on these dual brand pay-per-views that talents are going to have, you know, you're going to be taking away some championship matches. Some, some rivalries might over, you know, like supersede some of the title matches. I mean, if Brock's still around after WrestleMania and if for some strange reason he has the belt, you know, he's not going to be on every pay-per-view. So, you know, that title won't be defended. But, I mean, I just feel like I get it economically. They didn't do well with the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view as far as ticket sales go. Um, they even offered like a two-for-one special with tickets. The, the Ronda Rousey contract signing was a last-minute thing that they added because they wanted to get a bump in ticket sales because she's she's popular in the Vegas area from her days in MMA. But it's I don't know. I'm just not like – I feel like it, it, it waters down the brand extension, you know. Figure out a different way to 
get the most bang for your buck with this brand extension as opposed to just saying, well, we're not making the money that we should right now, so we got to completely ditch the format. I feel like that's like the first step in them eventually ditching the format, and I feel like that's how – that's that's how they really started to 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 ditch the brand extension format like over a decade ago when they started doing the brand uh, you know the dual brand pay per view. So, uh, like like Rocky said, we'll see what happens. But I feel like it's it's a it's a case of like not enough good character development and good storytelling and um, that that has led to you know people not wanting to go to these single brand pay per view events. Make me give me a reason to care about some of the lower card guys so you can put them on the card. Instead, you don't even feature them on tv and you throw them at the last minute on the kickoff show for for for, for you know for haha's and to give them a spot in the show and nobody really cares so i think it's their own doing unfortunately and uh you know i'm sure that they'll blame you know the the, the individual or the audience's attention span or whatever the case is but to me i think it's 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 poor character development and writing as to why you know they're in the situation that they're in so we'll see what happens yeah, I mean the thing is like like you know what I find interesting. That's why I you know I, I did you know I said just get better, just get better at what what you're doing. Don't like change everything or disregard everything you tried to do. Um, you know you could make a case right now. Now it's look the attitude error. There's a lot of talents on the roster, but you can make a case as you know maybe not top heavy. You know maybe not looking at guys that will go down as all time greats. But the as far as having a deep roster. When you have like the NXT program and you have, you know, an influx of new talent coming up, the WWE has put themselves in a position that they are, you know, essentially really the only game in town. If you want to stick with a company and make a living in pro wrestling, then you can make the case that that the WWE as a whole, as far as talent is deeper than it's ever been Um, between like the, the, the amount of uh, cruiserweights they have, the amount of heavyweights they have, mid-range guys, athletic guys. Again, maybe not deep enough where you're going to look at a ton of guys right now in the WWE becoming all-time greats. But I think there's a lot of talent that if you, you know, to your point, uh, Dave, like if you start to develop characters a little bit more, then these brand extension pay-per-views would be fine. You know, if you cared about everybody that was on the roster – instead of making things a little too top-heavy, um, you know, then, then these brand-exclusive pay-per-views would be fun. And now when they're going to combine the rosters for pay-per-views, those guys are really going to get lost in the shuffle because what's the point of, of ever putting them on a pay-per-view when you can have the Universal and the WWE title, you can have the U.S. and the IC, both tag team champions, both ladies champions, all are fair game for every pay-per-view. You know, you're going to, like, you know, like you were saying, Dave, we're going to have the throwaway matches for the pre-shows, but guys are really going to get lost in the shuffle now. And I just don't get, like, why, you know, they're, they're scrapping it, you know, this soon. And, and like you said, Dave, this is probably, like, the precursor. Then then we'll go back to, like, the roster's just mixing all the time. And it, it just, it, it, it boggles my mind how, you know, again, there's there's got to be people that get this business that are smarter than me. They know more about it than I do working in the WWE that how they, you know, they go to the, the, the brand extension and then they kind of screw it up again. And it's just like, like, why can't you just like kind of look at what you did wrong in the past and try to fix that stuff. Again, you got a deep roster that if you did a good job at, at building other characters that you could make very good pay-per-views um, it's almost like they're putting the cart before the horse. Like it's not that you, you, you don't have bad ticket sales. 
because you decided we're going to go just SmackDown for a certain pay-per-view. You have bad ticket sales because you didn't develop enough characters and you don't have enough significant storylines on your product to make people care enough to buy a ticket. Like that, that's all it is. It's not because the label SmackDown's on it. It's because you, you haven't done your job creatively. So I'm not a big fan of that. I do really hope we don't need two pay-per-views between Mania and Rumble, to me. Uh, to me, and if it's going to be both rosters, especially, you know, next year, I, one pay-per-view between Rumble and, and Mania. I mean, personally, I would almost go with none. I, to me, like, that road to WrestleMania, less is more. Like, let's just Rumble ends and we're on that road. Uh, you're going to give me one that's fine. I don't think we need to. And I think when you look at tonight's pay-per-view, um, you know, that really is a testament to I, I don't see a lot happening tonight. I, I think we might – look, the, the, the championship six-pack challenge, I think that's going to be a fun, exciting matchup. Um, I think the Usos and New Day are going to give us some great stuff. But overall, I don't think we're going to get anything that's going to move the needle I don't think we're going to get anything that's going to be like, oh, my God, I thought WrestleMania was going to be booked this way, and now, oh, it's so different now. Wow, they flipped the script at Fastlane. I think we're going to get a very safe pay-per-view tonight. It's going to be a holding pattern kind of kind of night. And, you know, when you look at some of these matches, and, like, you got six matches on the card. Becky Lynch and Naomi versus Natalia and Carmella. I mean, can someone explain to me in the grand scheme of life and the world of pro wrestling and and the last pay-per-view before WrestleMania, why I should give one flying F about this matchup? Why is this? And on on a pay-per-view, like, the only when you look at six matches, you think, all right, they're going to give the six-pack challenge time. That's awesome. So you kind of hope that that's part of the the rationale. But Jesus Christ, Becky Lynch, Naomi versus Natalia and Carmella. And look, Naomi and Natalia, I'm big fans of both of them. To me, Becky Lynch, her stock has dropped for me. as as I I feel kind of the same way I feel about Sasha Banks. Um, And Carmella, I don't know how I feel about her. I, I don't think she's reached her fullest potential. So I can't say she's kind of, her stock has dropped. I don't know. I don't think I've done enough with her yet. So, like, in this matchup, I got, I mean, I guess Naomi and Natalia that I, I care about as a fan, but really and truly, there's nothing about this match that, that I mean, I care about whatsoever. So, with, with that being said, I'm just going to, let's just pick that match. I'm going to go with the face team. I'll go with Becky Lynch and Naomi uh, with the victory here. But uh, I'll tell you, Dave, I, I really, I, I, if I went back, that might be, them care the least about so far uh, in, in this calendar year. What are your thoughts on this tag match? There was nothing really to have anyone care about when it came to this match. I mean, it was just set up the other night. Um, and I, you know what I think helps them, but also hurts them. And I'm not talking about the talent. I'm talking about the, the, the creative team and management is that there are instances where they try to, um, portray storylines differently. Like, for instance, the, from what I gather, the whole Becky Lynch, Carmella beef that is that, that has led us to this tag team match started out as an exclusive on WWE's social media app or WWE.com. The two of them had a little bicker argument backstage, and it led to the match that took place Tuesday night. And then 
Following that, what we saw Tuesday night with Naomi and Natalia bickering backstage led to the tag match. Okay, A lot of people's television viewing habits are not the same. People don't look to – I wouldn't say a lot of people don't look to, but a majority of people don't look to social media – in terms of trying to keep an eye on their wrestling storyline. Some people follow if guys go back and forth on Twitter um, to try and, you know, hype up a match that's coming up at a pay-per-view on TV. But I feel like the majority of the viewing habits go on what you see on the television show itself. And I feel like that as much as they're trying to create a different avenue for people to, you know, get their characters over on social media, I feel like it's still – they're not behind the times, but it's people are still in that habit of watching it on TV. So if you didn't know that Becky Lynch and Carmella had an argument backstage two weeks ago after SmackDown went off the air, then you wouldn't have known how you got to this match tonight. And I think that's something that, like, if, it's, if you're going to go that route, then maybe you should address it on TV as to how they got to that point. And the commentators might have done that because I'll be honest with you, I kind of fast-forwarded through this match. Um, the other night on TV, and then I saw the the the, the skip backstage with Naomi and Natalia. So um, there there really isn't a reason for people to care, and I think they're just trying to get the girls on the card. And I, I have no doubt that you know three out of these four girls are going to put on a a a kick-ass performance because they're they're seasoned veterans, and the female wrestling on SmackDown I think is pretty damn good. And then there's Carmella, who's just going to be you know something to look at you know, with all due respect. I'm sure that she's, you know, very talented in other areas, but wrestling is not one of them. Um, so as far as I'm concerned with this match goes, I'm just going to go with the babyface girls of, you know, Glowfire, Becky Lynch and, and Naomi for the victory because I don't think anyone's really going to care if Natalia and Carmella win. And the only thing that people care about with Carmella is that Money in the Bank briefcase, and she's been she's disappeared for quite some time on television and, and people have almost forgotten that she's had that. So it wouldn't surprise me if she makes an appearance later on this evening on the pay-per-view with that Money in the Bank briefcase. But I'm not going to sit there and, uh, you know, scratch my head if that's going to happen or not. And it's weird to me with Carmel and the, and the Money in the Bank because right now, like, I mean, like you said, it, it, they've kind of allowed her being the Money in the Bank holder, like, fade away. Um, so you almost forget she's got it. And, and now the ladies' division, you know, continues to get deeper and deeper. Um, you know, you have Charlotte here, who's the, the, the champion. You bring in Ronda Rousey. You have Asuka, who, who won the first ever ladies' rumble. Like, it's gotten to the point with Carmella, like, who cares? Who cares? Like, did you, like just, just cash in and, and be unsuccessful just so we can get the briefcase off you and move on. Like, I, when I look at the ladies right now, and I think, uh, yeah, Carmella's going to cash in and, and take the ladies' title off <laughs> Of who? And when? When would it make sense? Like, now, Alexa Bliss is just doing such an awesome job. Right and I, like, another one that, that has grown as she's been on the main roster. Like, where do you fit in Carmella to take a belt off somebody? I don't, to me right now, it makes no sense. Charlotte's amazing. Alexa's amazing. Asuka's on her way up. You got Rousey. Who gives a rat's ass that Carmella has, has the money in the bank briefcase. I, to me, when I look at like create creative being stumped, I look at that as like, when, when do you do it now? Like you, you almost waited too long. And now she's to me like mediocre to, to bottom of a pile as far as 
ladies wrestlers, I can't take her seriously as a potential champion. And there she is holding that belt. So I like right now, I, to me, when she's got the money in the, in the bank briefcase, I'm like, you know, yawn. I don't know where you go with that, but your thoughts on, on this match and everything we're throwing around, Rock. Well, uh, you know what? I, I can't really argue a lot with both, with both of you said, uh, you, you do have three seasoned veterans here in, in Lynch, Naomi, and Natalia. And Carmella is a little bit of an outlier. But you know what? I'm going to uh, just to, to make the call right now before my explanation, I'm actually going to go with the heel team. I'm going to go with Natalia and Carmella. Because to your point, Ken, I can agree with you that they waited a long time to uh, for her for Carmella to do anything, and, and you're correct. It's almost as if she faded into the background with that briefcase. So to me, uh, in order to remedy that and, and remedy that, okay, we waited a really long time. Uh, I would almost say you have to do it at WrestleMania. You have to make the you have to make the cashing of that briefcase that much more significant since you waited this long. Um, and while Carmella, uh, obviously. Uh, compared to the other ladies in this match and compared to the, to the women's roster in general is a little bit green, but you could make the argument that what they would hope to accomplish uh, by putting, you know, if she does cash successfully, perhaps they're hoping for another story like uh, Jinder Mahal, because you know, we can all remember that when, when he first got the belt, we were all kind of scratching our heads, Jinder Mahal. But I think, just having that belt on him made him grow as a performer, forced him to grow, forced him to evolve, and he did. And uh, I was really happy with, uh, you know, his championship run as I felt it helped him a lot. Perhaps they're looking for that case, that kind of case in Carmelo because while uh, while she's not, uh, you know, she's not the uh, the woman's Dean Malenko, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. But once you're thrust into that position. You know, it's either a sink or swim. You you either have to improve or, you know, very quickly they're going to say, well, this is a big freaking mistake. We got we got to rip this belt off her quick. So uh, that being said, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with that team soon because the the buildup like like Dave pointed to earlier the buildup for this was, was like a thrown together match. Uh, but if you remember, the throwing together was uh, Becky handing Karma you know handing her a loss. Uh, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a, a case of uh, you know uh, making up for that loss or what have you. However you want to place it, but I'm actually going to go with the heel team this time. I'm going to go with Natalia and Carmella. I, and just in closing, I thought my personal opinion of the use of that briefcase would have been great if it was still while Natalia held the belt. I thought that story would have been a good story to tell, but apparently, creative went in a different direction. Could you imagine? WrestleMania. Think if you will. Imagine this. And you have Charlotte Flair and Oscar in a classic, in, in a borderline steal the show kind of matchup. The WWE gives them time and they just blow the doors off. And Oscar somehow emerges victorious and Carmella cashes in. And the first time Oscar is pinned, is on a cash in and essentially like a two minute match. Think of that heat. I mean, he may be insane. You know, just club her over the head with the damn briefcase, cash it, done. And so, you know, and, and, and just think about, you know, it's uh, it's New Orleans. 
So let's let's remember Taker's streak ended in New Orleans. Do we see something kooky with Asuka? Maybe that's a conversation for a, another time, but I, I don't know. Like they gotta do something to kind of re-energize Carmella and make that that money in the bank briefcase mean something. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. But right now it's time for Dave's pay-per-view throwback. Dave, take it away. Thank you very much. Good evening, class. Thank you for joining me for a fast lane edition of the pay-per-view throwback historical retrospective. Tonight's trip down memory lane will take you through some of the very few instances where a six-pack challenge had occurred on WWE pay-per-view. As a matter of fact, only seven six-pack challenge matches have transpired on pay-per-view in the WWE. And you might be thinking to yourselves, well, there has to be more than that. Well, there has. I'm chronicling, I'm chronicling six-pack challenges. I'm not including multi-man gimmick matches such as Elimination Chambers, Hell in the Cells, Money in the Bank ladder matches, and things of that nature. I filtered it and narrowed it down to bring us full circle with tonight's Fast Lane main event. So without further ado, allow me to dive into WWE history and dissect the seven six-pack challenge matches with my pay-per-view historical retrospective entitled Magnif- Magnificent Seven. Allow me to begin with the very first six-pack challenge from Unforgiven 1999, where we saw Triple H, The Rock, Mankind, The British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, The Big Show, and Kane, with Stone Cold Steve Austin as the special enforcer, compete for the vacant World Wrestling Federation Championship. Heading into this stacked encounter, Triple H was running roughshod over the WWF during his initial run as the champion. Each individual in this match, and including the special enforcer, all became targets for the game, which resulted in Triple H becoming a target himself. In the weeks prior, Triple H shifted his focus to the McMahon family, more importantly the chairman, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Tensions began to build so high that their heated rivalry led to a no-holds-barred encounter for Triple H's WWF title, with the chairman emerging victorious in a bloody one-sided affair but not without a little help from the Texas rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin. After the shocking victory, McMahon forfeited the championship and held it up in this six-pack challenge. At the time, The Undertaker was originally part of this match, but unfortunately, injuries led to his removal from the pay-per-view. In his place was the returning British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith, who had forged an alliance with Triple H upon his return. On top of all of that, WWF referees had gone on strike for unsafe working conditions due to Triple H's reign of terror on anyone in sight, which included the fellas in the stripes, resulting in Austin's role as the special enforcer for this match. Now that you've got the history behind this match, the very first six-pack challenge, well, it was a barn burner for sure. As you can imagine, alliances didn't last very long in this match as every participant was looking to become the WWF champion. As the chaos took over the structure of this match, Triple H managed to take advantage of the situation and steal the pinfall victory as special enforcer Stone Cold Steve Austin was forced to deliver the one, two, three for his most heated rival. We make our way just two years later to Survivor Series 2001 and the vacant World Wrestling Federation Women's Championship. Ivory, Jacqueline, Molly Holly, Lita, Trish Stratus, and Jazz all competed for that women's championship. 
Now, hindsight being 2020, the Alliance versus WWF storyline is a period of WWF television that most people would rather forget. And during this time, management and creatives seem to have come down with a case of dementia, not realizing the amount of female talents they had in their hands. But that is until this very night. With the power struggle between both the WWF and the Alliance coming to a close, the women had their chance to strut their stuff on pay-per-view to crown a new World Wrestling Federation Women's Champion. Each woman brought their A-game in this match, with many expecting Lita to emerge the victor. However, on this night, her fellow bestie, Trish Stratus, would have something to say about that as a little Stratus faction secured the championship for the future Hall of Famer. It would be eight years later that the six-pack challenge occurred on WWE pay-per-view with the United States Championship six-pack challenge from the 2009 Night of Champions event. Kofi Kingston defended the United States title against Carlito, Primo, Jack Swagger, MVP, and The Miz. This match doesn't have much rich history behind it. As I was doing research as to how this match came to be, and all these six men were just thrown together at virtually the last minute, kind of like some of the matches on tonight's pay-per-view. Kofi was the reigning champ and had his fair share of issues with The Miz, but he also at one point crossed paths with names like MVP and Jack Swagger. Add in the fact that Carlito and Primo had broken up and had some issues of their own, and you have yourself a mid-card mashup, courtesy of the creative minds of the WWE creative team. Action was all over the place in this match, with each combatant coming close to becoming the champion. But one-third of the current-day New Day's Kofi Kingston was the one emerging and retaining his United States Championship. One year later, at the very same event, we would see a very interesting and intriguing WWE Championship six-pack challenge from the 2010 Night of Champions event. Sheamus defended the WWE Championship against John Cena, Edge, Randy Orton, Chris Jericho, and Wade Barrett. Going into this match, Wade Barrett and his Nexus were making their mark on Monday Night Raw, with the other five participants becoming prime targets on Barrett's path to the title. Very similar set of circumstances, dating back to the first six-pack challenge, and more importantly, Triple H. Sheamus, who was the reigning champion at that time, didn't do himself any favors by making a few enemies in both the Nexus and some of the other top names representing WWE that were in this match. After all, he was the champion and the virtual leader of WWE, but he wasn't acting like it when Nexus was around. This particular six-pack match was an elimination match, meaning that the champion could be pinned at any given time, allowing the match to continue until a champion is crowned. On this night, alliances were tested, unexpected eliminations had taken place, action had ensued, and a new champion was crowned. Chris Jericho had the most shocking elimination in this match as he was knocked out in the very early minutes of the match. This match would be the last full-time WWE run for Chris Jericho, as Jericho would go on to work for WWE on a number of occasions in a part-time capacity over the next seven years, with his most recent run last year lasting well over a year, the longest of his quote-unquote part-time runs since his departure following this match in 2010. On to the match, Sheamus managed to stick around the very end of this match until he suffered a devastating RKO, resulting in the All-State Arena in Chicago, Illinois, erupting as Randy Orton left Night of Champions, the new WWE Champion. Six years later, and WWE decides that the women's evolution needs another title to compete for, and with the early stages of the second incarnation of the brand extension in full swing, what better way than to crown a new champion at the first SmackDown Live exclusive pay-per-view event Backlash 2016. 
participants in this six-pack challenge elimination match. Alexa Bliss, Carmella, Becky Lynch, Naomi, Nikki Bella, and Natalia. All six ladies had a tough act to follow as the girls over on Raw had shined bright in the previous months, leading many experts to believe that the girls on Tuesday nights were the redheaded stepchild to their Raw counterparts. The only redhead in this match was looking to make the blue brand women's division stand out just as much as the girls over on Raw. When straight fire, Becky Lynch made people take notice of her performance with the final elimination over Carmella, securing her victory and becoming the very first SmackDown Live women's champion. And rounding out the pay-per-view six-pack challenges comes to us from last year's WrestleMania 33 event, a SmackDown women's title six-pack challenge. Naomi defeated Alexa Bliss, Carmella, Natalia, Becky Lynch, and Mickey James. Alexa Bliss in the previous months had helped elevate the SmackDown women's title to the same stature as the Raw women's champion, along with the other five women in this match and the social media fan frenzy resulting in this match being removed from the WrestleMania kickoff show and placed atop the main card, so far up the card, they went on before the main event between Roman Reigns and The Undertaker. Like many previous six-pack challenges of the past, this match had action from bell to bell. Each of these girls laid it all out in the line to prove why they deserved to be on the main card, but Orlando Faithful helped launch Naomi to victory, making for a very sentimental WrestleMania moment for the hometown girl. Okay, so now you know some history behind championship six-pack challenges on pay-per-view. So what did you take from all this going into tonight's Fastlane main event? Well, first and foremost, only one champion heading into the match was able to retain his title, and I'm referring to Kofi Kingston. Three out of those seven six-pack challenges were all for vacant championships. Coming out of that history lesson plan, the WWE title did indeed change hands in 2010 as Sheamus was unable to keep his title in this six-pack match. So what does that mean for tonight? AJ Styles has had a rather interesting second WWE title reign as he's been the virtual whipping boy in the power struggle with SmackDown Live management's Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. One thing is for sure, AJ has been known to perform at a high level during any type of match, and with five other performers to pair up with, there's no doubt AJ will do his part to make this match something special. But where does he head after tonight? Allow me to provide some insight on where some of these combatants road to WrestleMania may take them after tonight's match, regardless of the outcome. I'll begin with John Cena. Cena's inclusion into this match is WWE creative's way of trying to swerve the fans and make us think that he may not be on the WrestleMania card. I said this on last week's show. He's John Cena. That's not going to happen. If you want us to believe that, then book Cena on the NXT show and nowhere near the WrestleMania card, and then you might find us intrigued by his path to New Orleans. However, I don't see WWE creative heading down that path, as Cena has name-dropped Undertaker and certain phrases in promos leading up to this evening that make us believe that a certain dead man will be the clear path to New Orleans for John Cena. Baron Corbin has been part of the witness protection program in WWE's creative minds since losing his United States title possibly even going far back as last summer when he lost his money in the bank briefcase. Corbin's role in this match is to more than likely leading to whomever wins this match as the lone wolf could be the guy who eats the pinfall. This match could also be an indication that Corbin may take on a bigger role next month at WrestleMania. But my gut feeling is that he will participate in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal next month and continue his downward spiral on SmackDown Live just as fast as his receding hairline. Dolph Ziggler. 
his abrupt exit from WWE TV following his United States Championship victory at the 2017 Night of Champions event gave many fans the idea that his eventual return to WWE TV would finally be the spark that catapults the Dolph Ziggler character to the top of the card. And then he entered the Royal Rumble at number 30 and was abruptly eliminated. And then he just randomly returns to SmackDown Live without any explanation as to why he left in the first place, and he gets a chance to be placed into this evening's main event. So where is Dolph Ziggler heading on this road to WrestleMania? Maybe I should be asking where is his character heading on WWE television in general? Well, in recent weeks, Ziggler has made it clear that he wants a one-on-one singles match at WrestleMania. Winning the WWE title tonight ensures that. However, I can't see that taking place. I, however, strongly hint that he will get his featured singles match at WrestleMania, and it could possibly stem from the events that may or may not have transpired in tonight's main event, which leads me to Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. This partnership has helped keep SmackDown Live storylines on life support as the show has taken a downward spiral in recent months, and these two paired together has been the bright spot of this program. With Sami getting one over on Kevin Tuesday night, I would expect something to take place in tonight's match to spark their WrestleMania involvement, which I will get into more at the top of the hour on the Day 5 50-50 News Report. And finally, the WWE Champion, AJ Styles. Most fans want and expect AJ Styles to retain the championship and fulfill the dream match scenario with 2018 Royal Rumble victor Shinsuke Nakamura. It seems that's where storylines are heading, judging by the two's interaction with each other in recent months. Me personally, I can't fathom any other scenario that would logically put AJ into another scenario for WrestleMania this year. One thing I can fathom is that this six-pack challenge can and will live up to the action and fast-paced style that this match has been known for in years past. Class, thank you all for joining me in another pay-per-view throwback historical retrospective. The road to WrestleMania is almost at the home stretch. Let's see what WWE Creative has in store for us tonight. Enjoy Fastlane. Class dismissed. Good stuff. Thanks as always. I'm strolling down memory lane and let's get back to tonight's pay-per-view as uh you know obviously we're going to hit the six-pack challenge a little bit later on in our predictions but uh you know what? Let's go to Charlotte Flair versus Ruby Riot. Ruby Riot. A championship match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Let's have Rock start on this one. Who do you think emerges victorious? What happens in this match tonight? Rock. Um, Well, I I think you're going to get a good match out of uh, of these ladies. Um, You know, you have the Riot Squad. I I think this is going to elevate their position some. But uh, I think you could also make no bones about it. Uh, With the way Charlotte is... Uh, I don't think this is going to be too much of a, of a challenge for her. I think Charlotte's going to pull this out. Maybe a post-match beatdown by the Riot Squad just to get the, you know, just to elevate their position. But uh, I think it's a step in the right direction because you do have the, uh, the skill and greatness of Charlotte Flair, hopefully uh, rubbing also on uh, Ruby Riot and getting that fashion uh, a little bit more heat. That's my prediction. Ooh, yeah, this is another match, just part of the holding pattern of, of WrestleMania. Um, and I, like, I, I, I mean, Charlotte Flair. So no disrespect, I'm making a joke. She's awesome, and I think it'll give us something entertaining. But uh, you know, perhaps 
uh, tonight, you know, maybe we do get that beat down and maybe Charlotte is saved by Oscar. And then point to the sign. Because you got to point to the sign. You got to point to the sign. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that like for, for a moment, for, for, you know, again, on a pay-per-view that, um, you know, it's, it's not much for me to get excited about. Um, you know, that would be intriguing. Charlotte emerges victorious. Uh, Riot Squad goes after Charlotte. Oscar comes down, makes the save, points to the sign. And, and, and that's how we set up that match. Um, who knows? I mean, I think that would be cool. But I, I look at this again. There's, there's, no, there's no drama. There's no excitement. There's no story that, that uh, to me, is really worth telling right now with this match. Um, hopefully we get something entertaining, but uh, Charlotte Flair emerges victorious. Dave. Bell to bell. Both, both girls, I think, will put on a good match. Ruby Wright is a sound performer in the ring. I've watched some of her stuff in NXT. I've seen some of the stuff she's done on the indie scene. Charlotte Flair is Charlotte Flair, but aside from that, who really fucking cares? <laughs> Charlotte's going to go to WrestleMania. And she's going to defend the title. That's where her destiny is. And Ruby Riot's probably going to be in the fabulous Moolah Gauntlet match or whatever female they're going to dedicate a match to so they can jam eight girls or nine or ten girls into a match that's going to mean absolutely nothing. No disrespect intended to Ruby Riot. Like I said, she's a good performer, and I think Bell to Bell will have that match. As far as your little Asuka prediction there, or, you know, fantasy booking, whatever you want to call it, I kind of like that idea, but. Attention to all you aspiring professional wrestlers out there that haven't made it to WWE yet. I just want to give you a little piece of advice as a fan who watches the product, okay? And I'm speaking as a fan here. For those of you that end up making it to the big show, okay, you make it to WWE, and it just so happens to be WrestleMania season, whether creative tells you to do this or not, if you point to the WrestleMania sign, you're sure to get on the card. And that's all I have to say. (laughs) I so want to go to a WWE event, hop the guardrail, jump in the ring, and just point. <laughs> Do I get a match now? Point to the sign. It's there for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like, you know, it's funny because, like, the first, you know, I would love to go back and just find, you know, the first person to do it, you know, when exactly, like, the first guy was like, you know, and whether he did it on his own or if it was like, you know, go out, don't say anything, just point to the sign. Um, it was dramatic. Like whenever the first one, it happened to the first couple, it's like, you know, guys would come out and confront each other and just point. It's like, Oh, it's a mania match. Oh, look what they're doing. Now it's like, Jesus, like you, again, you want a good way to get, get drunk and have fun watching WWE programming. Like once the Royal Rumble is over, Drink every time someone points to that sign. You'll be hammered like in the first hour of, of a Monday Night Raw. So, um, well, you know, I think at this point they have to do something a little more interesting. Like, uh, you know, and, and maybe it's maybe it's overkill, maybe it's going too far. But like someone like Bray Wyatt, I feel like if, if he points to the sign, you just see the sign just like bursting a flame. Yeah, <laughs> like, that would that would energize that that whole action again. Just something happens. Something has to happen. Or, or, like, or like Matt Hardy does delete and the lights go out on the sign. You know, the sign just goes black. Delete! But, yeah, I mean, I mean we're, we're fantasy booking the sign now. 
that's how much this pay-per-view has not like grabbed our attention. Like, ooh, what can we do with the sign? <laughs> um, all right, let's get back into it. Um, uh, why don't we go like Shinsuke Nakamura versus Rusev with Aiden English in his corner. I'm interested in this match because of the two different styles. Nakamura has that like mixed martial arts style with the, with the kicks and, um, and Rusev is very, you know, rugged, you know, brute, very physical style. So I'm kind of interested to see what kind of match they're going to put on. I'm not going to say it's going to be a good match because sometimes styles don't mesh real well. So I'm kind of interested in seeing these two go at it. And I'm also interested in seeing these two go at it from a popularity standpoint. Rusev, and Rusev Day is over. Like, Rusev should should have a significant spot on the WrestleMania card, and he'll probably get jammed into the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal with about 39 other guys that don't mean shit, and it's not going to make much of a difference. But, you know, 70,000 people in the Superdome are going to chant Rusev Day, and they'll probably chant Rusev Day throughout the whole card. As a matter of fact, he's so over, they were chanting Rusev Day at a Ring of Honor show a couple weeks ago in New York City. That's how over he was. And, and he doesn't even work for that company. So, um He's a case of someone who organically has gotten over on his own, okay, who has found something, he latched onto it, he made it his, and he's gotten over on his own, and WWE's piggybacking off of that. However, they're not really pulling the trigger, I feel like. I feel like Rusev hasn't really had a good spot on TV, and now it's a single-brand pay-per-view, and you need to get some guys on the card because, you know, the the whole show's really about the six-pack match, but there's still two and a half, three, excuse me, three hours of a pay-per-view, so let's just put Rusev on. And Nakamura, like I said, he's another guy that's been in the witness protection program on WWE TV since he won the Royal Rumble. I think he's been on three times. He may have, like, one match. So I, I feel like they've kind of booked themselves into a corner here. He won the Royal Rumble, so you got to build him up if he's getting a shot at the WWE title. But Rusev, on the other hand, he's red hot. Like, he's, he's, obvi- he's arguably probably the, the, the most popular guy on SmackDown, in my opinion. Um, just based off this Rusev Day stuff. So it's really difficult to call this match um, in, ter- in term. Well, I shouldn't say it's difficult to call this match because we know where, where it's going to go. It's predictable booking. I'll go ahead and say it's going to be Nakamura. Nakamura is going to win this match. I'm going with Nakamura because he's getting a title shot at WrestleMania. And Rusev's probably going to do something significant, and it's not going to mean much, even though he deserves more. Um, and I'm the subject of Nakamura because I know this has come up and it might come up in this conversation. Um, but I feel like. Um, People have kind of misunderstood him in many ways. You know, I get that, you know, he's done a lot of stuff in Japan and on the indie scene, and some of that stuff might not translate well over to WWE TV, but I am so sick and tired of hearing people say, can the guy cut a better promo or he needs to brush up on his English? Because I don't feel like all these guys need to, like, brush up on their English. You know what I mean? Rusev's got choppy English. Cesaro, he's got worse English now that he's missing a few teeth after that spot at No Mercy a few months ago. I feel like Nakamura, his his charisma and his in-ring style is what's gotten him over. I feel like he doesn't need to cut a promo. And I feel like that the the intrigue with the match with AJ is because of what they're going to do in the ring and not like how great of a promo he's going to cut and what kind of intriguing storyline they're going to have. I feel like for the title, once they get there to WrestleMania, like I, I feel like it's, I, I don't know, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm defending Nakamura here, and maybe I'm going off on a little tangent. You guys can stop me at any point, but I don't know. I just feel like 
people kind of give Nakamura a little too much crap, and I don't think it's totally his fault. I feel like management creative has no idea what to do with him, so they put him in silly situations. And then when they realize that he can't get out of those silly situations because his English isn't the greatest, they just don't show him on TV at all. So that being said, Nakamura beats Rusev. Sorry. No, that's fine. And it's, I mean, it's a good conversation because, I mean, to me, like, you know, Nakamura, again, is, is a guy that, like, character-wise, you know, I just find incredibly uninteresting. Um, I think he's entertaining in the ring, but, uh, you know, outside of that, I'm just not into him at all. And whether that's his fault or, or creative or a combination of both, um, you know, it, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, I, I when I look at – when I look at Nakamura and I look at him going to WrestleMania, I, I do. I think they're going to give us, a, you know, perhaps even something very special. I mean, you know, it, it, would, it wouldn't shock me if we come out of Mania saying Nakamura AJ Styles is one of the greatest WrestleMania matches. That wouldn't surprise me. However, the, the character still does nothing for me. It's a cool entrance and he's really good in the ring. And, you know, and then I wonder, like, all right, he gives us a, a kick-ass match at Mania. What do you do with Nakamura after that? Um so I don't know, and and I'm I go the other way. Like I'm sick of people defending Nakamura because when people say you should have seen him in New Japan, I'm like, yeah, he's not in New Japan, so who cares? You know, he, he's got to succeed in the WWE, and and whether it's creative him or combination, you know, I look at that as like you should have seen him. No, like now he's here. Like that, that's a very millennial way of looking at things. You know, like you know the W the multi billion dollar company should change you know, the formula of how they create stars because Nakamura was great in Japan. Like, you know, like you come to the WWE, you know what the WWE is. You got to kind of fall into what they do. And uh, for me, like, I don't know if Nakamura is going to be that guy who's a bonafide, you know, all-time great WWE superstar. He might be a great pro wrestler. uh, But for me, the jury's still out on whether Nakamura is able to be a WWE superstar. Or I shouldn't say a, a, a... an all-time great WWE superstar. Um, this match, I think you brought up a lot of good points, Dave. I, I do wonder, um, and I'm, again, I'll go right there with you. I, there's no suspense in who's going to win this match. Like, Nakamura's going to win. They have to build him to Mania. Um, he won the Rumble. Um, but, yeah, Rusev Day being over um, and, and you know, the IWC loving to chant. Um, you know, you got Nakamura's theme song versus Rusev Day as far as chants in this match. Um, you know, this could be a crowd that doesn't watch the match at all and just competes, competes as far as, you know, what they're chanting. Um, they got to do something with Rusev because this is something, you know, creative and, you know, the WWE, they, they have, and then, you know, again, multi-billion dollar company, they have storylines, they have directions they want to go in, they have programs, you know, um, you know, I'd like to think that, that, that they're at least trying to be creative at times. Um, but every so often you have something that organically just gets over and Rusev day it's, it's over now. And you gotta, you gotta use that in mania. So I I'd like to see, you know, I think this match could be, I'll say this could be great or it could be a cluster F as far as like the, the combination of styles. But I'm really curious to see how these two play off each other. But to me, I, I, I'm more curious about the, the match and how they play off each other and where the crowd is at. But I don't think there's any suspense in the outcome. Nakamura emerges victorious. Yeah, the, the, this contest, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually going to go out on a limb and say this match is probably going to be the sleeper match of the night. Um, as, as you alluded to, Ken, 
you're right. It could be the greatest match, or it could be a you know, it could be a complete cluster. But perhaps it's my uh, you know, my positive outlook. I, I'm trying to stay positive about it. I think these two, uh, to, to what Dave alluded to before, it's a clashing of styles. Uh, you know, the old, uh, more, uh, more athletic, more agility-based wrestler versus the the power brute, uh, which can turn out to be a great match. And I, I'm a big fan of Rusev. Uh, he's one of the few wrestlers I feel in in modern day that WWE really did right in his building up uh, when he started. Uh, being the monster heel with Lana, it was it was a perfect buildup. You know, uh, facing guys like Mark Henry and the Big Show, and all the way up to Cena. You know, I, he's one of the superstars. I felt they built him right, and then they stalled on him. And, you know, it's it, it's a shame because Rusev is, a, in my opinion, a great worker, has a great look, can really you know get that crowd. Uh, hyped up just with his moves alone, and they're stalling on him. And he's had he's he's resorted to you know social media and doing what he has to do to get over. And he's got Rusev Day over, and you know the the pairing that's happened between him and Aiden English, I think has been great. I think it's elevated English's position, uh, and I think it's done Rusev favors too. Uh, that being said, uh, as both of you said, I don't think we can really. Uh, doubt what the outcome is going to be here. It's going to be Nakamura. Uh, uh, I'm in. I'm in your camp, Ken. As far as I'm, I haven't really connected with the character yet. Uh, great entrance. Everybody's into the entrance. Uh, you know whether, and it's debatable as to why those folks who haven't connected with the character why they can't connect to it. I know Dave was alluded to before that people give him a lot of crap as far as his English is concerned. And I remember, uh, you know, somewhere through the grapevine, it may have been Jericho's podcast, that actually uh, Nakamura has been working on his English. And he's saying within a year, this guy's going to be cutting some skating promo. So I got, for me, that would open up a new dynamic to the character and I'd make it more interesting and might help connect. Um, but he obviously has, you know, great in-ring work. Uh, and the crowd connects with him. Uh, the, I would say the majority of the crowd can actually. I I'm with you, Ken, in that I just don't get the character so far. Uh, I'm hoping that some way he develops it or evolves it. So you know, I, because I want to, he's a good worker. Um, and sometimes I can get to his matches, and sometimes I'm just like, this guy's a weirdo. But you know that that remains to be seen, but at the end of the day, obviously, it's going to be Nakamura over Rusev. And it's just it's just weird for me, and, and I guess, you know, it's just personal preference, you know, like, Asuka, you know, like, the two of them are kind of cut from the same cloth, and, and I don't mean to, like, lump the two Asian wrestlers together, but they're both, you know, they, they don't talk a lot, they both have a, a hard-hitting style, you know, but for some reason, when I look at Asuka, like, her charisma grabs me, and, and I'm into her character, and for whatever reason, Nakamura just doesn't do it for me right now. And, and you're right. Like, maybe, I mean, I don't know. You know, you don't necessarily need to be cutting these amazing promos because Asuka isn't. But there's something about her that I find engaging. And Nakamura is just not doing it for me. And, and I don't know if that's the, the promo piece. And if he starts cutting great promos after he gets better. Then, oh, wait, hold on. Just, um, 
we want to predict this match, uh, King Kong Bundy is wrestling Hillbilly Jim on the pre. <laughs> oh wait, that's still not the pre-show. All right, never mind. Anyway, Rock, you had a point. <laughs> five. <laughs> Count to five. Right. But uh, no, the point I wanted to make, Ken, is I think the difference uh, when you look at Asuka between Asuka and uh, and Nakamura is Asuka's got been given that uh, you know that old time gimmick of no one can beat her. She's unbeatable. She, she's been given, and that's a gimmick that has, you know, time immemorial. But when you have someone with an undefeated streak, well, now it starts to get, you know, as that streak lengthens, it starts to get interesting. Now it's like, well, who is this person? And why can't they beat her? So I think Asuka, in that, in that sense, has that going for her. Whereas you have Nakamura, who doesn't, you know, because when they introduced Nakamura, it was almost. Almost like a, I would say an amalgam of an amalgam of of Prince and Michael Jackson because it was the star known as Nakamura. It's like like when they first introduced him, uh, I I, they they alluded him to being an artist. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, artist of what? Uh, Like it it just the the whole introduction of the character aside from the entrance because I I gotta admit the entrance does grab me. But after that, you know, you need some some sort of thing to keep it going. It can't just be all, you know, one trick pony. Hi, right, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'll be a WrestleMania and I'll be marking out to his entrance as much as everyone else. I mean, I'll, I'll be, I'll be enjoying it. But you're right. Like the artist moniker to me has done him no favors. I don't get the you're an artist. Why? Because Thank you. you kind of, what was that? Thank you. <laughs> I mean, like, so you, you gyrate and, and you, you do weird things with your hand on the way to the ring and you, you're wearing like something at like Michael Jackson's reject wardrobe from the beat it video. And that's like, you know, <laughs> so you're, you're an artist. Like, well, I, I don't like, I honestly like, don't get it. Like why, you know, and I, you know, I come from wrestling in the eighties, you know, yeah. if there was a character called the artist, he'd be wearing a beret and coming down to the ring with a paintbrush, you know, that would be, the artist, and he'd be a heel, and when the ref wasn't looking, he's, oh, my God, he's hitting him with a paintbrush. You know, like, I look at the artist, I'm like, why? Like, what is, it doesn't make any sense to me. There's nothing about, like, he, it's just better, just Shinsei Nakamura. Just just go with the name. He doesn't well, need something else. Go ahead, Dave. Well, you know, I'm glad you guys brought that up. And, I, you know, I wish I, I wish I'd mentioned that in my first statement regarding him, because they did him no favors reinventing him before he was the artist okay in nxt and even in japan he was the king of strong style it was something different but it was a nickname regarding the style of wrestling that he brings to the table in a wrestling match and they sold t-shirts for it in nxt it was over it was over before he even came to wwe i feel like sometimes they try to create their own version of someone that was popular and made a name for themselves outside of the company. And sometimes it works and there's other times where it doesn't work. And I feel like this whole artist thing, it doesn't work and they should have just let him be the king of strong style uh, because it was something that it, to me, at least it was catchy and it was something that was a little bit different. You know, it wasn't, it, I just, I felt like, it just fit him. It worked because his wrestling style was a very Japanese strong style. 
uh, if you go back and you watch some of his earlier stuff. But like I said in my first statement, sometimes that stuff from Japan and the Indies might not translate well over to the United States. But I think they should have at least given it a shot and given it a try. Um, you know, I'm kind of with you guys both there. Like, yes, the jury is out if he's going to be an all-time great. I, 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 No doubt about it. Like, I'm not saying that, like, he's an all-time great right out of the gate. But the jury is definitely out on that. Um, I just think he's been creatively they've put him in some positions that haven't benefited him. And I think if they accentuated his positives and kind of didn't try to reinvent the wheel with him, I think people would be even more into him. The entrance is super cool. I was there in Boston in December at night of champions when he came out. And that was the first time I'd been in a building when he's come out with that entrance. And it was, it was awesome live. So you guys being at WrestleMania in the Superdome, it's going to sound even 10 times better when 70,000 people are in there. And I'm actually kind of jealous of that. Um, and the character mannerisms, yeah, it's a little weird and it's a little different. If I were to say what kind of character he is, I would almost say he's like an enigma. You don't really know who he is. He's an odd dude, but he gets it done in the ring. Like, that's how I would look at him. And, so dude, even that, though, point. like, if, if, his, if his moniker was the enigma Shinsei Nakamura, that would make sense to me. I'm not saying it's great, but I'm yeah. saying if he was the enigma, I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, he is, he is kind of weird and you, you, you can't you know, put him in a category. So he's, he's an enigma. And it actually works. Hey, there it is. I'm here. Okay. I thought we lost you for a second there. Nope. I'm still here. Yeah, I, you're you guys I also think with Nakamura and, and we'll see what happens. Cause I, you know, aside from being like an all time great, I don't know if he's a bonafide main eventer and that's the thing that he's, and he's been elevated to that status quickly. Um, and, and WrestleMania, nonetheless, you know, he's a guy for me where he is right now. I would have built him slower, uh, have him have a, a second year championship for a while, have him dominate on a on a lower level and then move him up. I don't I, you know, I think sometimes you, you rush guys along. And when I look at him going to WrestleMania, you know, I really look at whether he wins or loses. What do you do after? You know, you, you've, you've taken this character that, that you know, we're, we're all kind of in agreement here that. It hasn't been a home run. Uh, you know, they're, they're not doing him any favors right now. So when I look at, like, you know, if he wins, all he can go is, is down. And then where do, you, where do you go with him after that? If he loses, really, where do you go with him after that? So it's, I, I don't know, like, what they're doing with this character. But, again, I think belt to belt mania, we're going to get some good stuff out of him. This should be a very interesting match. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. But right now it's time for the day five, 50 News. Good evening, and welcome to the Dave 550-50 News Report. Only heard right here at the top of the hour on the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. This report is brought to you in part by B-Plus Players Radio, the pro wrestling podcast game. It has grown by leaps and bounds, and the folks at B-Plus have firmly planted their flag as one of the major players out there. Don't be left out in the cold and check us out. How may you ask? Well, Search for us on either Facebook or Twitter, and then you could like or follow us, or you can do both if you have both social media apps, to be a part of the evolving pro wrestling banter that makes B-Plus what it is today. If you want to check out some of our archive shows here at the Ken Reedy Show, then make your way over to any of the B-Plus player radio social media accounts to find out why we have so much goddamn fun doing what we do. Look for our Sunday live shows to drop for download late Sunday evenings, but most likely early Monday mornings. And when he's not talking about animals or plugging his own merchandise or lending his talents to BBWF, Mark Adam Haggerty can be found hosting the flagship podcast of this network, The Outsider's Edge. 
I personally can't tell you when that show drops because it can drop at any given day at any given time. But I can tell you, you'll be in for a good time with Mr. M.A.H. Don't wait any longer. Join us right now. But before you do that, here's this week's top stories. Topping the news this week is Richard Rodriguez and the steroid scandal involving WWE superstars of past and present with a new name that has been speculated as a customer of Rodriguez. That name, John Cena. Filmmaker John Bravo posted a picture of Cena in his Instagram story with a post questioning if Cena was linked to the steroid scandal. Bravo has still been holding off on releasing the full video as advised by his legal counsel. However, he did release a teaser video on social media with an Apple MacBook laptop describing the serial numbers on the laptop as one of the devices used as part of the steroid ring. Other devices, he claims, are still in possession of the DEA after they busted Rodriguez, resulting in his arrest. These devices allegedly pertain pertinent information such as tracking numbers, text messages, and purchase orders linking Roman Reigns to the purchases of performance-enhancing drugs. Bravo didn't name Reigns, but he did allege that Rick Bassman is another party involved in this matter during the teaser video. Bassman helped both Sting and the Ultimate Warrior break into the wrestling business, as well as being responsible for getting John Cena started in wrestling. Many wonder if Cena's name will be released as part of this video. Bravo has been hyping up on social media for the last few weeks, while others claim that Bravo is stalling because he has no real evidence behind the claims Rodriguez is making. Bravo responded to his distractors on on his Instagram story, claiming the reason behind not releasing the video evidence yet is due to hours of editing fact-checking Rodriguez's statements as he does not want to put out statements and evidence that are not true. Plus, he also wants to cross-reference the information that could lead to Reigns' involvement, as he claims, according to Rodriguez, that Roman Reigns made orders under over a 1,000 different aliases. Once again, if overwhelming evidence comes to light that not only Reigns, but a number of other WWE superstars have been linked to Rodriguez, then this could potentially leave a black mark on the WWE heading into WrestleMania 34 next month. On a positive note... John Cena himself cleared up some rumors regarding his WrestleMania status with Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated, the same Justin Barrasso who claimed through his sources that he had knowledge of Rey Mysterio returning to WWE to face John Cena at WrestleMania 34. Cena went on to denounce those rumors as truth by stating that he did not ask management to work with anyone, and that includes Rey Mysterio and Samoa Joe. Cena went on to say that when it comes to WrestleMania, he usually works with whoever the company asks him to work with and makes the best of every situation. As of right now, speculation among the dirt sheets, not to be confused with the Dirty Sheets podcast, is that Cena and The Undertaker are still locked for New Orleans on April 8th, and the build-up to that match could potentially begin as early as tonight's main event at Fastlane. Following up on another report from last week, it looks as if Rey Mysterio's injury may not be as bad as first projected. After medical evaluation on Monday, it looks as if Mysterio may have only partially torn his bicep, but the severity of the tear is unclear at this time. Mysterio is said to be moving his arm in ways one wouldn't of a bicep being torn completely, which is being seen as a positive. According to reports from PWInsider.com, this injury has not hurt the prospects of his meeting with WWE as both sides are scheduled to meet soon to negotiate a deal for Mysterio to return to the company. Despite the injury setback, Ray is still going to work the match with Jushin Thunder Liger later this month for New Japan Pro Wrestling's televised event, Strong Style Evolved, in Long Beach, California. His WrestleMania weekend schedule is still open as of right now due to the notion that if Ray does sign with WWE, then he may be used in some form or capacity for the company during WrestleMania weekend. 
The Crash Lucha promotion, who will be holding a big event in New Orleans during Mania Weekend, has not named a replacement talent for Mysterio since he was pulled from the event last week. Let's continue the trend of follow-up reports as I am following up on reports from previous incarnations of the Day 5 on the status of the personally funded pro wrestling event titled All In, courtesy of Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks. As of earlier this week, it's been confirmed that Chicago, Illinois, and the Sears Center will host the event. In addition to Cody and the Bucks, Kenny Omega, Tessa Blanchard, Bullet Club members Hangman Adam Page, and the villain Marty Scroll, along with television star Stephen Amell from The Arrow, will all take part in this event. As of this moment, there hasn't been any word on that this event will be televised. However, Cody and the Bucks in recent interviews have publicly entertained the idea of this show airing on TV. We continue this week with a load of WrestleMania 34 rumors. So let me begin with the prospects of a Dolph Ziggler-Shane McMahon singles match taking place at the Superdome on April 8th. Despite neither character having much interaction with one another on TV in recent weeks, the siege for this rumored WrestleMania match might take place at tonight's Fastlane event. Shane McMahon has recently been involved in an ongoing storyline struggle with SmackDown Live general manager Daniel Bryan over issues with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. But it looks as if, according to the rumor mill, that Shane's attention might focus on the show-off in the coming weeks. Speaking of Owens and Zayn, their rumored split on WWE storylines was allegedly leading to a match at WrestleMania this year. However, with a stacked card already taking shape, it looks like their split may have to wait, as they are rumored to be just a few of the big names that will take part in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. For more information regarding that story, you can find your nearest millennial, and they will gladly cry about the injustice of not being able to see Owens and Zayn fight forever on the grandest stage of them all. Braun Strowman is still the proposed backup plan for the WrestleMania main event if the Roman Reigns steroid allegations bring forth further evidence. However, more news involving Braun has surfaced this week. If Braun does not participate in the main event, then he could either be placed in the Intercontinental title match, as mentioned in previous reports, or possibly a singles match with Samoa Joe if he gets cleared in time. Or he could not have a match at all and just be involved in an angle on the show instead. Now, that last scenario would seem to be an injustice, considering how far along Braun Strowman has come in the last year, only for him to not have a match on the biggest show of the year. Speaking of the Intercontinental title picture, it looks as if there will be more names added to the match, possibly making it a fatal five-way. In addition to the possibility of Braun's inclusion, Elias is another name that could take part in this match. The Wrestling Observer mentioned in their report this week that this match was rumored to be a ladder match, but now might not take place at all. With NXT crowning a North American champion in a ladder match the night before a takeover, the chances another ladder match takes place the same weekend is highly unlikely. The Usos look to finally be making their WrestleMania main card debut as it's rumored they will be part of the tag team title picture on SmackDown in a match involving themselves along with the New Day and the Bludgeon Brothers. That, however, could change depending on how their match transpires at tonight's Fastlane. And rounding out the WrestleMania 34 rumor mill is The Bar. Their storyline open challenge has taken quite the life of its own as several names outside of WWE have volunteered their services for a chance at this match. Names such as 2018 WWE Hall of Fame inductee Bubba Ray Dudley, Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling's The Young Bucks, and former TNA original Cowboy James Storm all responded on Twitter with interest in being part of this proposed WrestleMania match. Unfortunately, this match may not happen at all in the WrestleMania 34 card, as it's been rumored that the bar may not defend the tag team titles on the show, but instead, like their Raw counterpart Braun Strowman, they may be involved in an angle on the show. 
There is still a chance, though, that they will have a match on the card depending on a number of circumstances taking place, such as the potential return of this individual in my final story. Which brings me to my final story this week. Pro Wrestling Sheet has confirmed that Jeff Hardy has been cleared to return to action by his doctors who performed his shoulder surgery last fall. Hardy was rumored to be in Birmingham, Alabama, meeting with doctors last month to go over the prognosis of his recovery. Hardy suffered a torn rotator cuff as well as a torn labrum in a match last fall on Monday Night Raw. As of this moment, Hardy is awaiting clearance from WWE doctors as to when he could be cleared to return to action. Upon hearing this news, speculation has run rampant that Jeff may be back in time for WrestleMania, possibly to reunite with brother Matt to take on the bar for the Raw Tag Team titles. My personal feeling is that we may see Jeff Hardy enter the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania or just hold off on his return until the following night on the train wreck post WrestleMania edition of Monday night raw. Thank you all for checking out the day five fifty fifty news report. Check back here next week for more WrestleMania 34 rumors and innuendo. It's only I can dish it out. So without that, with all that being said, let's send it back to the boys for more WWE fast lane coverage. Rocky and Ken take it away. Good stuff as always. And then piggyback off the news. Why don't we go into the Usos who, Again, not enough positive for me as a fan to say about the Usos. Love everything they've done since their heel turn. Love their promo style. Love everything about them right now, man. And and, and them in New Day going at it for, for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Um, I think this match is going to be fun and hard-hitting. Uh, I, I, you know, sleeper pick. We could see a match of the night candidate here. Um, I think we're going to, I'm going to go with a no contest on this matchup. I, I think we're going to have something where maybe the bludgeons come down and, uh, bludgeon everybody. Um, I think we're going to have, so we're, we're not even going to have a winner. Maybe like a, a no contest, uh, could it be a double DQ, uh, something or other, but I think it's going to be a mess at the end and some sort of no contest. So, uh, for me, the Usos come out of tonight with the championship. They will be at WrestleMania. They will be getting their Mania moment. And God damn it, they deserve it. So I'm going to go with no contest. Usos retain. Rock, your thoughts? Well, I got to say, Ken, that's an interesting call, an interesting call. I, I was kind of going back and forth on this one myself because, as you said, the Usos, obviously, they've evolved into probably – one of, if not the best tag team that uh, WWE has. And you have the New Day, who have given them in each uh, of the contests against the Usos. It's been one of those matches that have potential matches and I've written all over it. So uh, I think, uh, you know, it's safe to say that these guys will tear the house down. But then you do have the Bludgeon Brothers, who have uh, injected themselves into this little rivalry. And uh, you know what? I'm actually going to go with you on this one, Ken. Uh, I'm going to say uh, at the end of it, be it a no contest or a DQ, however you want to call it, I think the Usos retain. Um, because to me, one thing you could build up in going into WrestleMania, hell, even if you, throw, you can throw the bar in there too, can you imagine like a four-way for, for the belts? Uh, or, well, depending on you know how they're going to do this, uh, are, they, are they going to stick everyone together? Uh, be that as it may, or at the very least, you have a three-way dance for the belts because while the Usos and the New Day are both great, um, you know, maybe it's time to give 
uh, another tag team in the division of rub. And obviously they've gone through all the trouble of repackaging, you know, Luke Harper. It's so bad though. It's so bad. Uh, the, re- so the repackaging is bad. I- I'm not going to say I'm fully on board with the repackaging, but it's like somewhere they found like like two of like Triple H's old like gimmick sledgehammers, and, and they raided like some rejects in Kane's closet, and they're like, "We'll, we'll make a gimmick out of this." Be that as it may, uh, still, Lou, uh, you know, Luke Harper and Eric Warren as a tag team have always been a, a, a yeah, good, yes, yes. hard hitting tag team, and I think they can do really well with the belts. You know, I don't know how far they want to push this Bludgeon Brothers gimmick, but I, I think both of them are more than overdue for for a run with those belts. Uh, so, uh, you know, to to go to your point, Ken, if they do interject themselves, that kind of sets up a nice little three way dance for the belts that could possibly happen at WrestleMania. See what happens. Your thoughts, Dave? It, it, it's interesting because. Throughout the week and after watching what took place, I almost went that no contest route with you guys, um, you know, regarding this match based off of the interaction that the Bludgeon Brothers had. Um, however, I don't think that's the, that's the route I'm going to take. I don't think that's where the match is going to go. I expect a, 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 a very fun, um, hard-hitting, entertaining match from both the Usos and the New Day. Um, I feel like if the Bludgeon Brothers were to get involved in this match to, to cause the no contest, I feel like it would take away from the the rivalry that they this great tag team rivalry that they've built up between Usos and New Day. I feel like they have there has to be a definitive winner in that match, and I'm going to go definitively with the Usos. Um, I think they need it, especially if they're going to um, be if the rumor is they're going to be on the main card. I do think the Bludgeon Brothers will have a part post match. You know, for the past few weeks they've teased you know, Bludgeon Brothers and, and Usos, and then you saw the other night with New Day getting involved, um, like the stare down. It wouldn't surprise me if the Bludgeon Brothers attack uh, the Usos post-match and kind of send them a message, and then maybe they have a stare down with New Day, or maybe they even take the New Day out following, kind of making it clear that they have their eyes set on the match. Um, I'm glad you guys brought up the whole Bludgeon Brothers thing, because I agree with you. I, I, I'm not a big fan of it. And if you, and if you want to be perfectly honest, like, this can tie to Bray Wyatt, too. But the last few times they have split up the Wyatt family and have them do their own thing, it's never worked. Bray has gone on to, you know, obscurity, and Harper and Rowan seem to have floundered. This time they're floundering together as this Bludgeon Brothers character. Um, I feel like just bring the Wyatts back. It works. People are into it. They dig it. It's, you know, it, it's, it's a fun group, um, you know, and, and I feel like creatively – there could be so much done with this cult that the three of them are a part of. Like, I mean, I know it's PG and we'll probably never get it, but I just feel like there's so much creatively that's left on the table with them as a group um, that, that, that they could be doing. Um, so maybe we'll see that post-WrestleMania with this rumored draft that's supposed to be taking place um, in the springtime. Uh, but that, with that being said, yeah, Usos for the victory. And uh, I think we'll get the WrestleMania intentions clear with the tag team division on SmackDown by the end of this match. They had, that would have been wild if we had like a hat trick with a no contest. Yeah. And that could have been the first time in the history of the Ken Reedy show. Let's go to the championship match for the USA championship, the United States championship. Bobby Roode versus Randy Orton for the U.S. title. Rock, what do you think of this matchup? 
with this matchup for what, in my opinion, is my favorite belt. Um, it stands. This is probably the one match you look on this card saying, "Yeah, this is de- this is a definite candidate right off the bat for match of the night." Uh, you know, Ru- both Rude and Orton are pure gold in that ring, and I think they are going to, uh, you know, they're going to blow the doors off the place. I, I really hope they give them a lot of time. Um, it, and it's a tough call because you do have that uh, impetus behind Orton. That this is, I believe, this is the only belt he has never held. Uh, I believe this would this would complete his collection. So you, you have that angle going into it, and of course you have Rude, who's on, uh, you know, on his streak. And then you also, uh, you know, this is another case where you have an outlier because you have Mahal uh, kind of causing both, uh, causing trouble for both of them. So do you see gender being a factor somewhere in this match? Possibly. Uh, that being said, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb on this one. Just due to the fact that uh, it, is, uh, it is the only belt not in his collection, I think they're going to give it to Orton. Let, let him continue on. You know, I think it would – continue the program between Orton, uh, Orton and Rude, and I think they're going to trade it again. If they go that route, they would definitely trade it back at some point. But uh, I think it would make it interesting, and, and it would give uh, it would give Randy that notch in his belt that he deserves. Uh, there, there's not enough good I could say about Randy Orton. And maybe you see gender being the cause of it, you know, just not to take anything away from Rude. So, you know, I, I realize it's probably not going to be the, the popular opinion, but the hell with it. I'm going to go with uh, Orton. Orton, the new United States champion. Dave, agree or disagree? I disagree. <laughs> I, I agree with everything up until Rock's pick. Um, I, I'm excited for this match. Both guys are, are thoroughbreds in the ring. I've I've kind of dug Randy Orton taking a step back into a mid-card role and kind of adding some credibility to a mid-card championship with his name value. Uh, really digging the fact that Tim and Rude one-on-one. I'm really hoping for some time. But Brock brought up a great point. There is that outside factor of Jinder Mahal. And this is the match where I say this match will be a no contest. Jinder Mahal will get involved somehow causing the match to get thrown out to eventually set the three of them up for the United States Championship at WrestleMania. You know, Rocky brought up a great point. This is a title that's eluded Orton in his WWE career. He's held everything except this. But Bobby Roode's still relatively new, especially with that championship belt. He's only had it for maybe about a month or so, month and a half. And to, to kind of have Orton take that away from him so early on, I feel like would hurt his stance as the champion and as, as a big player on SmackDown. So I think Mahal's going to have something to do with neither one of these guys succeeding and the match gets thrown out, sending them to WrestleMania for a triple threat match. No contest. United States title. All right, then. Uh, so I'm going to look at this match, and I think we're all in agreement that Jinder Mahal is going to do something. He's going to do something. I think Jinder Mahal, we will see him interfere tonight. I'm going to pick Randy Orton with the victory, but Bobby Roode is going to walk out of tonight with the U.S. championship. I think we're going to have some Jinder Mahal interference. 
to me, it's going to cause um, Bobby Roode to, to get disqualified and Randy Orton will wind up emerging victorious, um, but he will not walk away with the championship. So that, that is my pick. Orton with the victory. Bobby Roode is holding on to that title, which brings us to the six-pack challenge. Hold on, which hold I on. think he's got hold a on. lot of potential to be a, a really entertaining, great matchup. Um, lots of lots of talent in there, except Corbin. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> it's so rude. Um, but I think it's got a lot of potential to be very entertaining. Dave, your thoughts on the six-pack challenge? Before we get into the main event, we have to dissect a new match that was just made on the WWE kickoff show. A six-man tag team match. Okay? A a six-man tag team match of epic proportions. A match that could take shape and, and, and make this fast lane card the card that we've all wanted and expected as the final stop on the road to WrestleMania. The combatants are Rizongo teaming with the Perfect Ten, Ty Dillinger, to take on the team of Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable and their partner, that asshole Mojo Rawley. <laughs> yes, I get my mojo. <laughs> so who you got there, Dave? <laughs> Do I even have to? Actually, you know what? Honestly, this is a, this is a very babyface-driven um, uh, victory pay-per-view. Uh, with the exception of that no contest that I predicted. So um, Ty Dillinger's done nothing. Um, Brizongo, I mean, they can be funny at times, but they've really done nothing. Um, I'm going to go with Gable and Benjamin as the winners. I'm not going to count Mojo Rowley winning the match. He's just there. But, like, Gable and Benjamin will will be the reason why they won this match. Mojo's just going to pick up the slack and, you know, be the he's going to be the, the, the tag-along. So I guess you could say he wins the match too, but it's really Gable and Benjamin that win. Team Mojo rising. <laughs> Team Mojo rising. I'm going with Team Mojo. <laughs> I think for all the reasons you put out there, Dave, I, I, you know, yeah. Okay, now I'm excited about this pay-per-view. Oh, yeah, no, this made the pay-per-view for me. Now this is like my, my undercard to WrestleMania right here. We're so snarky. <laughs> I love a man Mojo, and I think he's going to win it just because he's Mojo. Uh, well, no, I think they brought up excellent points, and not much analysis being a pre-show match, but, yeah, I'm going with Team Mojo. That's pretty impressive that the three hat tricks on the night, Nakamura, Charlotte Flair, and Mojo Riley. He's just been elevated. He's just been elevated. <laughs> because of other people. Holy cow. Not, not him. All right. So actually, that's why you got to tune in live, man, because we get, we get the breaking news. And, uh, yeah, geez, I don't, I don't know if there's any more analysis we can bring to that match. So let's get back to six-pack challenge. Dave, you were starting us off. Your thoughts, unless something else breaks, your thoughts on the six-pack challenge. Yes, as a matter of fact, there is breaking news. It's the six-pack challenge. No, I'm just kidding. In all seriousness, <laughs> it, it, it should be a fun match. All six guys going at it. Um, I'm interested in 
I'm interested in the Sami Zayn-Kevin Owens dynamic because of what took place, because of the tension that's been building, because of their issues with Shane McMahon and the situations that they've been put in. Um, the Dolph Ziggler thing is a big factor, too, that I'm kind of digging. I'm a big Dolph fan, so I'm sure he's going to go all out and, and, and pull out all the stops. Um, let me ask you guys something regarding John Cena's inclusion in this match. And, Ken, you brought this up as far as his free agent status, okay? So he's a free agent. He gets to bounce between Raw and SmackDown whenever he likes. Wouldn't you find it to be a, a, in a very heelish move that he didn't get exactly what he wanted by by – getting an opportunity at the Universal Championship for WrestleMania. So he takes his ball and goes over to SmackDown and, 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 and is awarded an opportunity to compete for the WWE Championship. How could you, as a, as a, as a, as a fan, to cheer him as a babyface when he's, when he's getting so many of these opportunities at the title and, and, the, and in the manner that he's going about them? And then he goes over to SmackDown, he gets the title victory, and then he doesn't even appear on the next episode of SmackDown. He's on Raw Wrestling Goldust. I just find that kind of weird in the way that they, they try to portray him as this, like, you know, this goody two-shoe hero, and, you know, he's kind of taking advantage of his name value. I wonder if uh, maybe it's WWE Creative's way of planting the seeds of, um, you know, some, some heelish mannerisms for John Cena's road to WrestleMania against The Undertaker. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. And, and, you know, it's a good point also with, like, you know, if you went in um, a direction with another character, any other character, like it is something that you could do with a heel. Um, you know, I, I'm just going to go wherever I feel like it. I I hate it. I, I mean, I, I just think it's stupid. It's if you're have half a brain in your head as a wrestling fan. You're like, it's just a way that they could have Cena on Raw and SmackDown. Um, you know, the true essence of, you know, again, this is supposed to be, it's an imaginary world. We get it. We get that it's scripted. However, it is something that we're supposed to believe in the context of that storytelling. That that's their real life. In real life, when you're a free agent, you're a free agent. Number one, you're not getting paid. Okay. You're waiting for someone to sign you. So, so you're leading us to believe that even though he's showing up wherever he wants, that he's not getting paid. He's a free agent, quote unquote. Um, number two, like, should these be like non-sanctioned matchups when he, he comes on these programs and, and wrestles? Like, you know, if he's a free agent and he's not actually signed anywhere, um, you know, why, why does he get to get these up? Why does he get any opportunity? And I honestly thought when, he was like, all right, you know, I want, you know, I'm going to go to SmackDown for my WrestleMania opportunity. He's like, all right, he's signing with SmackDown. But obviously not. And so, like, it kind of sounded like he was signing with SmackDown. So the whole free agent thing to me is dumb. Um, and maybe you could do it with a heel and make it, like, more part of the storyline. But it's almost like, you know, if Cena has to go film something, he can leave and come back and he can be on both shows. And he's free agent, John Cena. But I, I don't even know what that means anymore. So, you know, maybe they may, because, you know, Taker Cena, he's definitely going to be the, the, if you have to cast a heel in face, he's the heel. John Cena will be the heel in, in that storyline. Um, so does he get a little edgier? And, and maybe this is the start of uh, a little more edge to, to Cena, at least on the way to Mania. He gave us an edgy version of himself when it was him and The Rock. You know, do we get an edgy Cena? I'm not going to go as far as say heel, but heel-ish John Cena, you know, maybe that's the direction they're going in. Your thoughts, Rock? 
Well, I, I agree that, you know, the, the, the free agent is kind of like a cop-out. I'm of the attitude of, you know, old-school wrestling fan. If you're going to have such a thing when you split up the brands and that you're going to have a free agent, you know, slot, if you will, well, hell, man, wrestle for it. You know, make it the – you double your opportunities. You can go for, you know, titles on both shows. You know, give it that kind of angle if you're going to have a free agent going around. Because, yeah, obviously the man's John Cena – you know your 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 modern day version of Ric Flair, if you will, uh, one of, one of the biggest champions there is. Uh, I understand you're going to give him that slot, but at least you know make it interesting, sell some tickets, uh, you know, a competition for the free agent slot, something uh, other other than just you know throwing out. Well, he's a free agent because we need him to draw shows or we need him to draw tickets for shows. Yeah, you're right. They didn't flesh it out. Even if they did something where, you know, what if, uh, you know, the GMs on each show, like, would grab Cena be like, we have a contract for you. Look it over. We want you to sign exclusively with us. Like, do more of it. Again, we talk creative. It, it, it's amazing to me that there are these things that, to me, are pretty obvious to have some good storytelling that they just don't utilize. You know, if you, if you have, like, you could have other guys be free agents. Have the GMs, like, I have a contract, you know, you know, Daniel Bryan, like, our, our, our contract that we're going to offer you is better than, than Raw's. I, I, I wish that, like, they, they use things like, you know, the Superstock Shakeout. Like, what if they did something where you have GMs on both, both programs, you have a rivalry with both programs. Like, like, give us a war room sketch. Like, give us something backstage where, you know, they got the dry erase board and they're, like, going through, like, their draft order and who they want to draft. And give a little, like, sports realism to, to what they're doing. If someone's going to be a free agent – what does a free agent do in, in real sports? What happens there? What are, what are the press conferences? What are the signing processes? And, and kind of like mirror that. You know, use it. Don't just throw it out there because, like you said, it's like it, we need to sell tickets. We need to put Cena on everything. So what should we do? Hmm. We'll call him a free agent. And, and, and to your point, Rock, it's not even – if you're able to wrestle on both shows, you're not really a free agent. You're, you're signed by both. So it's almost like don't call it a free agent. But, yeah, wrestle for that slot where – you know, almost made, you're getting double pay. You know, you're the one guy in the company that's allowed to wrestle on both shows and wrestle for that spot, and, and it's like a bonus kind of thing that you're on both shows. And I don't know if you call it a free agent or something else, but um, it just hasn't been the best storytelling to me as far as the free agent thing. And I think it's a, I'm glad you brought it up, Dave, because, um, you know, I this show, collectively, all of us, uh, we're not seeing a haters on this show. We, we'll, we'll never be, you know, we're – Respect what that guy can do. I mean, we recognize some of the shortcomings, but people say Cena suck are so off base. I, I just doubt like how much they really know about pro wrestling. Um, but I just I did not like the free agency thing, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I don't even like him involved in this match tonight because the minute he name dropped Undertaker and then said it'll never happen, it's going to happen. Why would you drop? Why would you name drop Undertaker only for it to not happen and really disappoint the fans? You'd be you'd be spitting in the audience's face, in my opinion. I feel like he's done the title match thing before at WrestleMania. You know, if if anything, I would have been more inclined for Cena's character to campaign weekly. You know, in the next few weeks on whether it be Raw, or SmackDown, or whatever in the in the weeks leading up to tonight and in these next few weeks. For that match with Undertaker, you know, he brought up that point in that promo a few weeks ago. Management said the match is impossible to happen. You know, I would have been more inclined to see Cena say, you know what, 
I've been the champion before. I've had my championship moments at WrestleMania. I want something bigger. I want something better. I want something that I've not done before. And I know it, I, I know it might be hard to get this done, but WWE management, give me Undertaker at WrestleMania. And then you could start from there and build from there. Because I feel like his inclusion in this match is just to keep him busy and to try and make us think, us older fans think, that you know he's not going to have the match with Undertaker. And it's real. you know, I, I just don't, I didn't think the whole, you know, oh, I don't know if I have a clear path to WrestleMania. I don't know if I have my own road to WrestleMania. Like, I just find that to be insulting for the, for the older fans. Maybe for the seven-year-olds that buy the John Cena wristbands, but I'm 35 and I'm not buying it. So, um, as far I know we've kind of gone off on a tangent. We haven't really previewed this match, so I'll give you my pick. Um, I'm expecting a fun match from all six guys. Uh, chaos, like you wouldn't believe. Well, actually, you probably would believe it because it's a six-pack challenge, but... Um, I, I think we're going to see, you know, most of these guys, WrestleMania intentions, very clear, um, you know, throughout this match, we'll see some bickering with Owens and Zane. They might even go out a little bit, give the internet their little, uh, their moment right there to, to, to let the two of them fight during the match. Ziggler have some big moments. Uh, Cena might have his, you know, a, a run with AJ for a little bit. Um, but I think like five out of these six guys, you're really going to figure out, um, by the end of this match, what their WrestleMania intentions are. And that's six guys, Baron Corbin, who's not going to really have a, 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 a moment to shine, in my opinion. Uh, so with that being said, it's, it's a layup right here. We talked about it, and I kind of alluded to it earlier during the Nakamura build, but it's AJ Styles retaining the title. I mean, people want to see the match with him and Nakamura because of what they're capable of. Uh, the match they had at Wrestle Kingdom a few years ago in New Japan was an awesome match. I watched it not too long ago, and it's that's what people want to see. To, for this match to happen on U.S. soil in WWE, people never thought they were going to see it. WWE is going to give it to us in their own way. So, AJ with the victory. Yeah, and I, and I couldn't agree with you more with, with uh, John Cena. I mean, it's, you know, what you said, if you're going to mention Taker, um, you know it's going to happen. And, and I don't like him being in this match either. Um, because now if you want to put him in this match, maybe you don't, you don't have a mention taker at all. Um, and we see, you know, some different storytelling, but, um, you know, to me, like when it comes to wrestling, this is my problem with this pay-per-view is I, I look, I, I'm a storytelling kind of guy. That's why I like wrestling. I, I appreciate the athleticism, but one thing I, I need is like a little bit of suspense. You know, I, I, I'm not the fan of these like holding pattern type pay-per-views. And then this is what this pay-per-view is to me. And, you know, John Cena mentioning the undertaker and then getting himself in this match to get his path to WrestleMania, you know, damn well, he's not winning this match. You know, it's just like, there's no suspense there. It's not like, you know, Oh my God, like one of the all time greats, the greatest of this era is now in this match. Oh my God. John Cena is going for, you know, his, his record breaking title run. But he mentioned Undertaker, so it's not going to happen. You know, there's just like no suspense there for me. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. If, I don't know. People are talking about appearance. Um, I would not be surprised. And I, and I talked about this last week on the show. Um, if we have like the lights going out, um, maybe even a gong. Uh, I would steer clear of, of Taker actually showing up. I could see something like that distracting John Cena. Um, you know, something like that. Like I, said, I think the angle you can go with this now is, um, you know, you, you awoke the dead man from his slumber and, and be careful what you wish for. 
or who knows if, if the rumors of Kid Rock going into the Celebrity Hall of Fame, uh, maybe we see the American Badass come back at WrestleMania and, and Kid Kid Rock sings him down in the ring. Um, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, every so often, you got to hang around me. Every so often, there's a good <laughs> idea that'll come out. Um, but, you know, I think that this pay-per-view really, you know, for, for that, for the, this quote-unquote SmackDown main event is putting over AJ Styles and putting over Nakamura. Like, that's what, so Nakamura's going to look good in his match, and AJ Styles somehow, against Solas, was able to, to fight through five other great WWE superstars to emerge victorious and, and retain the title. I think this is going to be a fun match. Um, you know, like you said, everybody but Corbin probably has a path to mania. Uh, but I just, uh, I, I think it's pretty cut and dry. I think AJ is going to retain here and, and go to mania, you know, and I think that they have to because the fans, if the fans don't knock them more, they, it doesn't, they could like, I, I mean, pick somebody, pick anybody. Pick, the, the, a miracle drug cures uh, Austin and his spine is 100%, and he's going to come back and wrestle AJ. They, they're going to boo it. Like, they, they want Nakamura AJ Styles. That, that's what they, they somehow resurrect Lou Fez. They figure out a way to bring back the dead, and we're going to get AJ Styles versus a Lou Fez in his prime. They're going to boo it because they want AJ Nakamura. So anything that gets away from that match, the fans, especially the Mania crowd, is going to shit all over. So they got to know that the people who are in charge of the WWE got to be fully aware of, you know, you, you have potential of not only having an all-time great match at Mania with those two, but a match that the crowd's going to be into and the IWC is not going to shit on. There's not going to be one section of wrestling fandom that's going to shit on Nakamura versus AJ Styles. The only the only problem you would have is if they give them like six minutes, <laughs> then the crowd would go batshit crazy. But that's what they want. They know that that's got, that's got an all time great potential. It's got a show stealer potential. That's what they're going. So to me, the whole point of this pay-per-view make AJ look like a strong all time great champion and make, and make Nakamura look like that, that badass weirdo challenger that could actually be the one guy after these Five guys weren't able to do it. Nakamura could be the one guy to take the belt from him. Yeah, this match, uh, you know, it's I, I'm not a fan. And I also want to go on record as saying that I do not want to see The Undertaker return. You know, I'm sorry out there, wrestling folks. I know, you know, The Undertaker is a legend. He is his contribution to the wrestling biz is undeniable. But the fact of the matter is, the last time we saw him in the ring, his body just cannot do it anymore. And I thought that they sent, they gave him a good send-off. I did not mind Roman sending him off. I didn't mind that at all. Of course, it, the IWC shit shed all over that and continues to. But I am not looking forward to seeing The Undertaker return. That being said, uh, when you look at this match, there are some obvious points that you both have made. Obviously, Baron Corbin, why the hell is Baron Corbin there? 
Um, hopefully, it'll give him some shine just to uh, to try to elevate him a little bit. But obviously, he's not going anywhere. You have Ziggler, uh, a great talent who can who was a maestro in the freaking ring. It's a shame that he isn't in the isn't in the world title picture more often. Uh, and he really should. I think he should have another run with the belt sooner rather than later. But obviously, it's not going to be Dolph. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, uh, alluding to what Dave said before. Uh, do we see some, some, you know, butting heads between them? Sure, just to uh, just to satisfy the uh, the IWC and whatnot. You'll probably see them go at it, but they're not going to come out with it. You end off with AJ and John Cena. Uh, and again, I, I'm in agreement with you guys. I'm not a fan of Cena being in this match. Maybe this is planting the, 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 the John Cena with an edge seeds, but I think they could have they could have went about it a different way. With how things are shaping up for WrestleMania, I'm looking at the end of this match because, to your point, Ken, you could look at it as they're using uh, they're using this pay per view to make both Nakamura and AJ look strong. I'm actually going to go in a little different angle because I am going to go on a limb and say they're going to use this, at least this match, to set up the match that I don't want to see, which is Undertaker and Cena. Because Cena making, you know, an allusion to, you know, wanting to break the record and this is his chance and whatnot, obviously he's got to give the C-Nation that uh, you know that feeling that he he can do it, and I think the way the end of this match is going to go is you're going to see eventually it's going to get down it's going to be down to AJ and Cena. They're going to be exhausted, and you know everyone else will be you know summarily busy, but you're going to see Cena with AJ on his shoulders getting ready to deliver that AA. The lights are going to cut out. You're going to hear a gong. When the lights cut back up, you're going to see Cena on the floor and AJ looking around like, what the hell? Go down, get the pin. And that's going to be your setup for Cena Taker and make Cena that angry that his his opportunity was stolen from him. Um, AJ's obviously going to come out of this with the belt. Uh, that I have no doubt. But they're going to set up the match that I really don't want to see. Yeah, I mean, it's just look. If they, if Cena and Tank are able to deliver at Mania, I mean, it is what it is. I just felt like last year, um, I, I thought it was a really fitting send off, and I, yeah, um, yeah I, I like, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. Like, I, I just don't, as, as big a fan as I, I am of, of Taker, I just it's it, it's time, you know, and especially, you know, he was a big man that that had some crazy spots, you know, he's not that guy. You know, Hulk Hogan was a guy, big guy, older guy, you know, as he got older, his style to me, if, if his back didn't go through what it was, like, you figure Hogan could have probably gone on forever because of, of the, the prototypical Hogan match. Hogan wasn't jumping over the third rope onto someone outside the ring. That wasn't Hogan's gig. Um, you know, you feel like if, if, you know, Hogan could have, could have wrestled, like, in his 60s, you know, that style. Um Taker to me, I, I just, 
you know, you hear that he's doing better. I just, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think when you look at that, you're going to look at Nakamura and, and AJ come out of uh, this pay-per-view looking good. And you're, you're going to get the, um, if not definitively, but you're going to get that. All right. It, we're, we're, we're going to see Taker Cena at Mania. So that's, that's your, your mania kind of lead in coming out of this pay-per-view. But um, like I said before, you know, I look at this pay-per-view and, and to me, this is kind of a, a holding pattern pay-per-view, which is why it's just not something that's, that's enthralling to me. It's not something that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm overly excited to watch. I think that the main event is going to be fun. Uh, I think we're going to have a lot of like fun spots in, in, in that, that match, but um, all in all, like I'm not expecting a lot of this pay-per-view. I don't think it's going to suck because I think some of the talent you have on, on this pay-per-view is really good. And I think we, we have some potential of having some, uh, real decent in-ring action. But when you look at in-ring action versus storytelling, there's nothing about this paper that really jumps out at me is like, oh, I'm, I'm excited to see that story be told. So in-ring stuff looking good, but uh, other than that, like not a lot of suspense, um, to, for me at least, get, going into this paper. And I know we talked about a lot uh, last week, Dave, talking about uh, The Undertaker. Right? Any other thoughts on like the, the potential Undertaker Cena match and, and what we might see as far as setting that up going forward to Mania? Um, I could, I, I agree with Rock's point. I don't think that the main event is designed to set up AJ Nakamura. I think it's designed to set up Cena and Undertaker. And I think it could go two ways. One, what I think would be really cool, and if they just did this, I think it would be a good subtle way to get things started, is if Cena comes out and does his normal entrance, and you know how he, like, points to the camera, holds up his little crying towel, and then says, let's go to work, Stu, and then he runs down the ramp. If they cut out the lights at that point and then, like, it looks like a power outage went out in the building. Maybe even if like you put a spotlight, like just on the ring and it almost looked like the, like the backup generator of the building was like trying to rebuild the power in, into the building. I think that would look pretty cool. And we, and, and we kind of, people would kind of get the idea that like it's, it, it's, it's an undertaker sighting, but he's not there. You know, it would kind of be like a very subtle way to like get things going. And then eventually they'll build to it in the next few days. Or, the logical, uncreative way of doing this, because, yes, I'm a very creative person. If you don't know WWE Creative, you could find me on Instagram at Rosencoaster or on Facebook if you're looking to hire a new writer. I'll gladly accept your offer. Um, but John Cena, I could see at the end of that match him losing, and then AJ gets, his, gets his, his, his spotlight, his shine. He holds up the belt. He walks out, and Cena's left in the ring, and he's going to milk this pop like most of the guys do. He milks the pop, the crowd kind of claps, or they chant, you suck, or you can't wrestle, or they do the, John Cena sucks, or whatever they do, and then that's when they do the whole, the gong, and he comes out, and maybe they set the match up that way. Um, I, but I agree with you, Rock. I think this is really designed to get Cena, get Cena and Undertaker, because in some ways, AJ and Nakamura has kind of been established on TV more so than Cena and Undertaker, so... Um, I think that's why they would go that route. The expectations for Undertaker Cena, I'll reiterate like I did on last week's show with you, Ken. Um, bell to bell, I don't think it's going to be, you know, a a, a catch-as-catch-can classic, but I think from a storytelling and a psychology aspect, I think they can make it good. You know, Cena's a safe worker. If Undertaker's better health-wise, I think they can make it somewhat I – think I think it could be better than – 
Taker and Reigns last year. And I think the reason why Undertaker is returning, obviously it might have to do with the money, but, I mean, it was a very poor performance because of his health last year with Roman Reigns, and I'm sure he doesn't want to go out like that. I'm not, I mean, you never say never in wrestling, and I'm not going to sit here and say that WrestleMania could be Undertaker's last match, but if he has a good performance with John Cena, I'm sure he wants to go out on a high note, regardless of the win or a loss. So I think that's the reason, the motivation as to why he's coming back is because he doesn't want to be remembered as being a shell of himself like Sue. So that's my take on it. But if he does walk away and doesn't ever come back, I'm okay with that too. Could you imagine, I'm just thinking like as we're, we're booking how it's going to happen, if like Cena never makes it to the match. <laughs> like, like when you said like if he holds up his towel and runs to the ring, like what if like he starts to run to the ring and then the lights go out, and they come back, and he's just laid out on the ramp. And he never cool. actually makes it to the, to the match. That'd be cool. That's the way to go. I'd go for it. I'm getting, like, all sorts of hokey <laughs> shit, like, in my head now. Now I'm picturing, like, so Cena starts running, the lights go out, then there's just a spotlight on Cena in the middle of the ramp, and then you hear the, You've awakened my slumber. How dare you? <laughs> and, then, and then the lights, the spot goes off, and then when it comes back, he's he's out on the ramp, or maybe he levitates. Or what if or just he's gone and all? Or, or what if he's gone and all his clothes, like the lights come back on, but all his clothes are left on the ramp? Sneakers, jeans, wristband, headband, baseball hat, and T-shirt, but his body's gone. <laughs> Take a raped him. <laughs> and then he points to the. I wasn't going that far. <laughs> and his person of length. Wow, you jumped the shark. <laughs> Oh yeah, we should be working for the WWE. <laughs> like, I'm curious though, Dave. Like, your thought? Like, I mean, we're talking about. You know, I don't think we're going to see Taker tonight. I mean, what do you think? Is there going to be a gong? Are the lights going to go out? Are we going to get something hokey tonight? I mean, I, I'm thinking more of a distraction angle as opposed to actually seeing Taker tonight. Do you think we have a Taker sighting this evening? I think we have a Taker sighting, but I think it's like post match. I don't like. I don't see like him. I don't see him being the guy to interfere and cost John Cena the match just because John Cena called his name out. I don't think that's, like, in his character. I think the mind games post-match, whether it be, like, you know, the lights go out, the gong goes out, maybe even they, 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 they put the power out on the WrestleMania sign so that Cena can't point to it. And then he, there's, like, some sort of, like, recorded message on the, on the, on the Titantron or the video screen, and, and that's how you get to it. I mean, I can't see him, like, showing up tonight for, for, for fast lane of all events. I mean, come on. Fast lane. Hey, you know, if, if he comes out with the American badass gimmick, fast lane, motorcycle, going fast. Uh-huh. Ah. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. WWE Creative, where are you? Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, this is crazy. Well, I again, like, hopefully we get something definitive out of Taker. I mean, I'm you know, it's not that far away from WrestleMania, so whatever story they, they decide to tell, they're going to have to do it quickly. Um, you know, you're going to have two all-time greats, um, you know, and I'm right there with you, Dave. You know, if Taker comes back, I mean, I, I, I get that. And, again, I, you know, who are Rocky and I? We have no right to say, you shouldn't come back, man. Um, but that's as a fan, like, that's how I feel. Um, but as, as an individual, if he is healthier and, and sincerely believes that he – didn't do right by the fans and, and wants to leave, giving them something better. Uh, you know, who am I to argue with that? Uh, it just, 
I don't know, like the past few years, I just, every time at, at Mania, just like every year, it's just a little bit worse. And I'm just, I, I don't like that idea of seeing, uh, you know, diminished returns out of someone who's an all-time great. Uh, you guys out there, enjoy Fastlane. We got about a minute and a half left. Rock, you got anything you want to say to sum up your thoughts on going to the Fastlane? Well, like we said, it's not the greatest pay-per-view. It's kind of an afterthought on the road to WrestleMania, but I'm trying to stay positive and I'm hoping for a good show tonight. Let's say we try to keep it positive here. Dave, any final thoughts? Yeah, Ty Dillinger and Brizongo beat Mojo Raleigh and Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin, so we're all zero and one right now. Oh. Mojo, not Raleigh. That's what we get for picking Mojo, that fucking asshole. <laughs> Not cool, man. Not that, that, cool. That's we got to put that on a T-shirt. Like the, the next round of like, we need we need T-shirts and just say like, that's what you get for picking Mojo. <laughs> now just get that on a T-shirt. So anyway, you guys out there, you know, again, I think you get some good bell to bell action tonight. Uh, nothing really earth shattering. Do we have a taker sighting tonight as we're on the fast lane to WrestleMania? Perhaps we do, perhaps we don't. But the WrestleMania picture will become clearer after tonight. Thank you in studio, Rocky, for being here. As always, thank you to my tag team partner over there in Connecticut. Everyone, enjoy the third Nor'easter to hit the Northeast this week. (laughs) Should be fun. For everyone here, I am Ken. Good night, everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.